Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Mailbag Friday edition of the Rebel Report podcast. The People's Quarantine. Hopefully I don't have to say that for too much longer because this thing has been boring as shit. But uh, we got a traditional Mailbag Friday this week. Got a decent bit of questions. We'll get into the NFL schedule that was really released throughout the, all, throughout the day yesterday through leaks. But the NFL put on a three-hour show last night that uh, I didn't watch. Uh, just had other stuff going on. But uh, lots of questions to get to. I think we're going to go through each team's schedule and pick out from uh, – this was spawned off a mailbag question, but eat the most fun home game to go to for each team, like from a fan's perspective – uh, really shouldn't take much more than skimming through all eight home games for each team. So all about content that requires very little work. What's up? That's about how things are around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people like to crap on the schedule releases and like the needless amount of content people will get out of it. I like the schedule releases every year anyway. Like I think they're pretty fun. Yeah, and, I saw uh, a blue check mark Twitter guy just ripping on ESPN for doing like projected wins and losses for the schedule. And I, I kept thinking, well, they do that every year, pandemic or not. Like, I, that's the part I didn't get about it. It's like people were complaining about it. They do it every year, pandemic or not. And, like, I like it. It's kind of like the draft to where, like, if you're a, like, diehard fan of an NFL team, like, it hits you with a little bit of hope, which uh, I think, one, particularly now we all need. But, like, two, like, it's like there's no one – no one gets the schedule, like, I mean, unless I guess you're, like, a Detroit Lions fan or some really scarred fan base is like, ah, shit. But, like, like no one, like, looks at the schedule in June or May, whatever month we're in these days. It's just like, oh, we're sunk. Like, it's also kind of like an optimistic, hey, we can, maybe we can get through the first eight – or first six, five, and one, that type of thing. I think people like this. P- again, pandemic or not, always like the NFL schedule release. That's one of the few segments I like watching at ESPN is where they go through and have their football guys, like, kind of go through win and losses because you know it doesn't actually mean anything. These guys aren't going to get these right, but just kind of like kind of just slowly methodically going through each team's schedule is interesting to me. I don't get complaining about it. I don't either, but people, uh, as I have just come to learn, uh, especially sports writers, uh, just want to complain to complain. I mean, that I am so sick of if there even is a season. Like, can you give us one damn day where we're not reminded that everything's gone to shit? Like, you don't have to tell me on NFL schedule release day, oh, well, these games may not happen. I, I know. I'm aware of that. I know that there's a possibility we don't get football at all. I, I'm we everybody knows that, but just for a few hours, can you shut the hell up and let us talk about football without reminding us how miserable everything is? I was just scrolling through my Twitter. My Twitter is literally the most. Sorry, that was a complete non sequitur. But along the lines of the times that we're in, my Twitter is literally <laughs> Monday podcast. Wednesday podcast, mailbag Friday podcast, mailbag question tweet, last call mailbag question tweet for the last three weeks. I haven't tweeted anything else except for those five things. So uh, for kind of underscoring your point, uh, yeah, like can we please – like I I would like something different. This this is turning me into a robot both in person and online. 
So I, uh, I'm pumped about getting into these schedules. I think this exercise we're going to do is pretty, uh, will be pretty fun just because there's like uh, the thing about the NFL, unlike most leagues is like, yeah, there's some exceptions. Like last year, Miami Dolphins, you knew you were going to suck, but you didn't even know you were going to suck that bad. Like 32, pretty much all of the 32 teams are selling some sort of hope and some sort of message in some way. And you think you have a puncher's chance when, you know, uh, NFL opening weekend comes around next year. Like in, whereas in baseball, if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you know, you're going to lose a hundred games, you know, it's going to suck. So like, why even watch other than watching some young guys develop same with being like a fan of the Charlotte Hornets. If those people exist in the NBA, you know, and when they go to training camp in October, you have zero shot of anything. Maybe the eight seed of everything goes your way, but you're not doing anything past that. Like the NFL, which sells parody over everything pretty much like it's the league designed to not have dynasties, despite what you know, has happened in new England in the last 20 years, each team has some sort of thing, like some sort of hopeful. Uh, like, I think you could make a case for all 32 teams making the playoffs five or six of them. It's going to be kind of an absurd case, but you can at least make the case. So uh, that to me, where's the I mean, NFL the perpetual bottom ways. feeder in Cleveland has a roster now that should be a playoff team. It, I mean, Cincinnati, uh, yeah, they really sucked, especially early. But later on in the season, they they were at least hanging tough with some people, and they got the number. Well, one they have Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like, Miami's they, gotten much better, as you mentioned. I mean, it, who else is really bad? Detroit. They were going to be at least competitive until they got hit by the injury bug last year, and they've got a really good quarterback there. So I, I'm with you. I, that's what I like so much more about the NFL. And maybe this is a, a conversation we don't want to go down today. I understand why people like college football more because they went to college and these colleges in particular, or especially in a place like Mississippi or Alabama where there aren't any pro teams and like the tailgating's different in the in-game atmosphere. You've got marching bands and stuff. It's different. But if you're talking quality of play, and league balance and parity, it's not even close. That's why I like the NFL so much more, because largely all the games are competitive, and the playing field is even. What's that that stat that they love to throw out every year? I think Red Zone throws it out like week one every year. It's like 65, 67% of the games are usually decided by one score or less on average throughout a season. I mean, you you look at a Red Zone, that's why the Red Zone channel has become like pretty much a must have for me because at 245 or 240 on a Sunday afternoon in the early slate of games, if you got eight games going on, odds are like it's not that unrealistic to have six of them really kind of coming down to the wire, which is just you don't really get that at all in any other league, which is not necessarily knocking those leagues. It's just the nature. The NFL is compact as excuse me, perfected kind of like the drama and parody thing. Like no other league has been able to achieve parody uh I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. Cowherd has this thing where it's like fans scream for parody, but they don't actually want it because ratings are up when you have dynasties. But like the NFL kind of has the balance to where, yes, you have teams that stink and teams that are good, but they at least have a shot on a given week. And the Bengals, I mean, poorly run, not great rosters, still have been a playoff team and division winner relatively recently. And again, the Browns, who have been the bottom feeder of the league forever, have a roster that they've acquired that should be a playoff team. And like, and it's every weekend, like you said. I just pulled up the SEC helmet schedule. November 21st, if it happens, uh, Florida hosts New Mexico State. Missouri hosts Louisiana Lafayette. 
South Carolina hosts Wofford. Tennessee hosts Troy. Vanderbilt and Louisiana Tech. That'll be a barn burner. Arkansas and Louisiana Monroe. Mississippi State and Alabama A&M. Ole Miss and Georgia Southern. Of the teams in the Southeastern Conference that play a Power 5 opponent, there is three of four of them. It's Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU. Six of them. Six of the 14 teams play a Power 5 opponent the second to last weekend of the season. That That's where I love college football, don't get me wrong, but that's that kind of weekend is why I am a much bigger casual NFL fan than casual college football fan, because you never get that weekend, ever. I totally agree. And uh, so should we get to the questions first or go through this exercise? I don't, it doesn't I really get, matter. Let's do the questions first. Let's get those uh, out of the way. Rip those out of the way, and then we will get to we're like I said earlier uh, to kind of uh, a really crappy teaser, but we are going to go through all thirty-two teams, their eight home games, and decide if you were a fan, which one would you most want to go to? Let's see. If you had to pick, if you had to play the back nine with just one club, like Ten Cup, what is your club? I'd be screwed because my the best club in my bag is a gap wedge. So <laughs> par fives would be like a six shot hole, seven shot hole for me. Um, but when I, mean, I, I think playing, I might do what he did, the seven iron. I mean, it's kind of right there in the middle. I I don't know. I could do a four iron because I can hit like a punch four iron, like 185 yards, like pretty much dead straight every single time. Like, like it's kind of a shot because I don't hit it part of the any par fives and two. So like it's kind of a convenient layup. So I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know, hit a three wood off a map into someone's living room. I can kind of punch that and scream it down there pretty consistently. But the problem with the four iron is what am I going to do if there's a guarded pin like with bunkers in the front or one if I end up around the green? Like you can't really chip with a four iron. I mean, you no. can, I guess, if it's flat. So. I took that I'll, question as like your most consistent club in the back. Not like if you had to choose one, but the the scene, if I remember correctly, is him like I I chili dip this, uh, I shank that, and like the seven iron's the only club he doesn't miss with, and that's why he didn't break that club. Yeah, no, he got pissed with the cat. Yeah, that that is definitely the scene. But he did have to play what like seven, eight more holes right. with the seven but iron. I, I took the question as what would be the one club in your bag that that you don't miss with. You know, if you were breaking all your clubs and you had to keep the one that, like, is your best club, what would it be? I Maybe I'm thinking it. I just, I'm, I'm probably going, I'll probably stick with the four iron. If I have to chip, I'm screwed anyway, and I can putt with it. So I'm going four iron. Well, and you can do that Texas wedge with it, too. Just don't yeah, hit it in the ball. Exactly. I mean, it's not like, I mean, pretty much any club you picked, unless you picked a wedge, which would, wouldn't really give you a chance from the start. Like, if you hit a bunker or short sided or something, you're toast anyway. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you got an eight or a four. Like, you're pretty much screwed. So you just knock one into the lip of the bunker and hopefully it like bounces forward instead of back at you. Yep. And then if it gets plugged in the side of the thing, I'd probably just stop with this exercise and grab my other clubs and play like normal. But, uh, point well taken. Let's see. Making sure I didn't miss one. I always miss like two or three every week somehow. Uh, who are your picks for UFC 249? I don't know jack <laughs> shit about UFC, but I'm going to go with whoever Greg Hardy is fighting. I will pick him because as I have explained like 12 times in this podcast, the one time I watched Greg Hardy fight, he like snapped some guy's neck or so. I don't remember what he did, but it was apparently highly illegal. But there was a moment of jubilation where we thought he'd won. 
and it was apparently just completely illegal. He had he's sick uh, somehow. He's got like pneumonia or asthma or something. And uh, I saw a headline. Didn't click on the article because I I could not care less about Greg Hardy and his dealings. Uh, you know, just he is um, not somebody I want to read about. But the headline said something like he is risking. Um, his health if he gets coronavirus because he's immunocompromised somehow. Okay. Well, hate to see that happen to such a stand-up guy. But I know, right? We, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about... I say jubilation. We weren't watching and rooting for Greg Hardy. He did something wild, and we all got up and started like yelling, like, holy holy hell, that was, all, like, that was wild, and then it was just completely illegal. So I... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the main card is Tony Ferguson against Justin. God, I don't even know how to say this guy's last name. I'm going to go with uh, Tony Ferguson. Looks like he has a meaner face. So I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson. I don't think we need to pick the undercard. So uh, yeah. place your bets. Ferguson, I'll take him too because why not? I, I might actually try to watch if I remember that it's on. Oh, I'm going to watch it. I just don't know anything about it. It's kind of like a, like a, like a, even wilder hockey for me to where I was always joke about how I don't know anything about hockey, but I've watched enough playoff hockey to where I can kind of understand, like I'm never talking strategy with hockey that uh, like, I'm never telling you whose line is the key to a playoff series or something like that. But as much as we joke about hockey, I've watched enough to where like when I start watching the playoff hockey's like uh, I can kind of like understand the ebbs and flows and general strategy of a game and who's playing well and who's playing poorly and like why they won. UFC is pretty much like the reality of what I joke with about hockey. I don't know what the hell is going on, but it is fast and it is violent and it's entertaining. I I, I couldn't tell you one rule of UFC. I could man, I have found that I, I think I enjoy boxing more than UFC. And I don't watch either one a whole lot. But what what kills me about UFC is one, the fights are a lot shorter and they can end very, very quickly. I know boxing matches do too, but not as much. And most of it, when they're like just like doing their posturing on the ground i don't enjoy that like i guess it's mostly because i don't know what they're trying to do so since i don't understand the nuance of like what position they're trying to get in i don't like appreciate what they're doing but when they're laying on the ground for two and a half minutes just like kind of like hugging on each other and wrestling each other that's boring to me i'd rather them be standing up boxing the counter with that though is like watching like a Floyd Mayweather fight where he doesn't throw oh, yeah, punches yeah, it's boring and just as hell. D- dodges around. But like that's what like but UFC, I think the the appeal with the UFC is like I understand boxing you have an undercard too, but like UFC, the fights don't last very long for the most part. And so while yes, you do like when they kind of like one that goes two or three rounds and they spend half the round on the ground or whatever is boring. But I feel like for every five of those, you're going to get one where some guy just comes out and judo kicks a dude and it's done in 15 seconds. And like you talk about the euphoric thrill of just seeing some guy cold cock someone <laughs> in 25 seconds. Like I feel like that balances out. I like both. I don't know much about both as far as strategy and stuff, but I'll watch boxing or UFC. I, I appreciate both, both sports. Let's see. Uh, Phil and Tom or Tiger and Peyton? I don't see... Well, actually... I'm going to go Phil and Tom. Phil won it last time in really what was two just very terrible golf rounds from a professional standard. But uh, I guess I'll go Phil and Tom. I don't know. Like, it's... Like, I feel like Phil and... Like, you have two guys that are going to get in each other's kitchen on each side. Like, I think Tiger could get in Phil's head and uh, Tom could get in Peyton's head. So it's really kind of a, a wash there. 
I'll go Phil and Tom. That's not necessarily who I'm rooting for, but if you're asking me to uh, wager on it, probably Phil and Tom. I think I'm going to go the other direction only because the the big question to me is how much golf is Brady playing versus Manning? Because Brady's still getting ready for an NFL season. Peyton has all the time in the world to do whatever the hell he wants to. He doesn't have anything else to worry about. So is he playing more golf than Brady? And if so, how much better is he? Because I think nine of the holes, right, are going to be alternate shot. So it's not like they're just doing best ball where it's really Tiger versus Phil and the other two just hang out and play for TV uh, viewership. Like, they're doing alternate shot. So what uh, second player do I uh, rely on more? And I think my answer is going to be Peyton because he's got more free time. That makes sense because Brady's so fun. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just hoping there's more birdies and there's more action than there was last time because it's funny. Or they as it talk was, more like, shit. Yeah. That last time, like, they oversold the beginning of last time and kind of underdelivered. Like, it wasn't bad. And we're definitely not going to complain about this one because of what's going, like, the lack of anything going on around it. But uh, the last one just, to me, underdelivered a pretty decent bit. So I don't know. Well, uh, when it, what is the date of that? I know they set the date. I just completely was not paying attention when that happened. Um, the 24th, it, right? Because the, the match of actual, like, four real good golfers is the week before, and that's the 17th. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, I'll go with Phil and Tom. Borky goes the other way. Who has the better chin? I don't know what this is. this an jo- inside joke? What does this mean? That's the I question. Have, no, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard people use, like, he's got a tough gin. Is it like he can take a punch? But but how the hell would we know? The uh, uh, You know who can take a What a just a, absolutely awful segue by me. But you know who can take a punch is Greg LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go check him out. Uh, no better time to support local businesses. It's raining right now, but it's supposed to be beautiful this weekend. And if you're around the Oxford area, I promise you you're going to want to stop by and throw something from LB's on the grill. It'll significantly enhance your weekend. Steaks, custom cuts, sausages. The ribeye sausage is one of the finer delicacies of this world. The Lane Train special, the Keith Carter special, all kinds of stuff going on. If you want to get hungry, go check out his Twitter page, at LB's underscore meats. And he is always putting up a picture of something delicious that will make you want to instantly throw something on the grill. Local business needs you now more than ever. Greg's been great to the show. Uh, Hopefully we'll have him back on sooner than later, making us money on his football picks. But go check him out for now until we get back to normal and LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Let's see. Why does Borky's significant other love him enough not to mess up his haircut and yours doesn't? Well, it sounds like Borky's uh, Borky's wife has a little bit more experience, and by more experience, I mean any whatsoever. And I don't know. I'm still – the back of my head is still a bit of a jigsaw puzzle, so we will – this was a one-time thing to where this is Borky's wife is his stylist. I uh, that that is not the case for uh, for myself. So yeah, it's been that way for uh, a couple years now. So it had to be trial and error. I mean, it's not like she she cuts hair for a living, but at first the first few weren't great, and now they've gotten better since then. Um, I don't know. And it'll be easier to part of the motivation for her, like getting comfortable and used to cutting my hair is so we can cut our son's hair. Um, 
I don't know. That I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's that's kind of why we wanted to get her like uh, comfortable doing it with me. Is so when he gets old enough and his hair is growing, that she can cut it instead of us taking him somewhere and he feels like he's getting tortured. So that was the motivation behind it. I'm sticking with the professionals. I can only speak for myself, but I will uh, I will definitely be asking for my barber's license just to peer over it the next time I go get a haircut to make sure this does not happen again. So. Let's see. That might be if they, if they ever ask me to fill in on Gallo, that might be the uh, the first thing that I do is why do people like barbers and hairstylists need a license through the government? Well, uh, I can tell you why. I got about fifteen reasons on the back of my neck. That I can definitely one hundred percent tell you why that's the case. So. But, but I mean, it's not like that's what she wants to do for a living, though. But why do these people? Uh, and and some of them don't make a whole lot of uh, of money. You know, they get by like most of us do. Um, why should they have to spend all this money to the government every year to get a license? If they're bad at cutting hair, they won't keep a job for long. Anyway, that tune into Gallo whenever they uh, they finally call me up to fill in for them because I got some takes on that. Myself versus Kuffner at the in a match at the Ole Miss golf course. Who wins by how many strokes? I've never actually played golf with Kuffner, but given the way I played the last two weekends, I'm going to go ahead and concede this one. But uh, I would be gladly to put it to the test. Kuffner has now actually challenged me to a match and raise money for charity. If anyone would actually like spend money to watch <laughs> me and Kuffner play golf, I'd like to meet them. But uh, I will throw down the gauntlet. Challenge accepted. But uh, I'm going to concede we- to Kuffner on that one, uh, given the way uh, the ball flew for me last weekend. Here's just an idea, and Richard probably won't go for it because he doesn't go for any good idea. Um, We could, in theory, either before the show or during, because we could use equipment that we could be on the golf course doing the show. That sounds a little logistically uh, crazy, but... um, I would commit too many FCC violations anyway. (laughs) Us doing a match for charity is something I'm all in on. I wish we had like a com- competitor radio station. Like, you know what I mean? Like another like afternoon sports one and we could challenge them to a match. Yeah. Or something. I mean, I, I guess the the Jackson station has a show for a couple hours during ours, I think. Do those guys play golf? I think it's just one dude and I have no idea. Okay, well, I'm going to find him and figure out. But, uh, yeah, I like this idea. We just need, like, a worthy uh, worthy adversary to take on in said match. Or we, I guess, do it between the three of us. The problem is we can't go two-on-two because two Haydad's never touched a golf club. Yeah, that's true. It would have to be just uh, mono e mono e mono Yeah. Uh, I'd, or we could get uh, Larry or something. And to play like we did at Old Waverly, and then me and Haydad just dressed in matching top hats and knickers, and he caddies for me. Can you imagine me and Haydad in a pair of plaid knickers and one of those hats with the little fuzzy ball on top, and, and Haydad's carrying my club around the course all day? Uh. <laughs> I mean, we could combine that with, isn't Haydad doing the walking, he's doing some kind of walk? Yeah, that could table. be part of his, his extra table walk right there. Hell yeah, because you get a good 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 golf course track in, that's a couple miles. I just don't know if Haydad's going to walk want to walk it in uh, antique baggy pants in the heat, but uh, we could probably convince him. So, yeah, that uh, that went off the rails, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely game to play Kuffner or have Haydad as my caddy, whatever. Uh, we don't have anything better to do over the next couple months. 
Uh, here's one that's going to have to be up your alley. Bundesliga dark horse when they return. Five of the top seven teams have American guys on their squad. I, I can't even pronounce these teams' names, much less do I know any of them. Um, I am not exactly versed in foreign soccer. Uh, I know Christian Pulisic used to be on a Bundesliga team, and um, there's a few others, right? Like uh, John Anthony Brooks, who is his performance in the World Cup a few years ago, not the last one, obviously, because they didn't make it, was uh, one of the more impressive athletic performances I've ever seen. Um, they've got this young new wave that you like to make fun of, Rippy. Josh Sargent's on one of those teams, too. You know, soccer's coming. This next generation is coming. It is, I mean, and you, you make fun of it, but that next generation, I mean, did go to the qualifying round and win a game in the 2014 World Cup. I mean, they, they were uh, successful to some degree, and now they're they're just really young. I mean, their best player just turned 21, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. And he's like the second coming of uh, soccer Jesus. I think he's incredible. Um, so if that happened, then what happened last time? Like, what happened in 2019? Coaching turnover, whatever it was. Uh, coaching turnover and complacency within the program. They they had to do a, a complete house cleaning and, and just try to completely start over. And they took a year to hire a coach. And then when they did, it was an underwhelming hire. But um, it's still early, and I guess the jury's still out on them. But yeah, it was Jurgen Klinsmann didn't work, and they um, called up, if you will, in the interim, uh, a former coach, and and he was okay, but. It just it, it was complacency and bad hires and, and bad management that led to them missing this last World Cup. There was no excuse for that that group of players to not qualify for the World Cup. There's just no well, excuse at all. They also lost to a country I've never heard of. Couldn't you do that with any players in any coach? Well, it's two countries, Tr Trinidad and Tobago, and it was like their B team. I mean, that night was the probably the most embarrassing performance for any athlete wearing the United States of America on their jersey or shirt in sports history. And losing that that would be like Rippy um Ole Miss losing to Mississippi College. Like not even a good FCS team, like Division 2. That's what that game was like as far as talent and resources and and stuff like that. It would be like Ole Miss losing to MC yeah, I mean, I believe it because I didn't know what that country was until I— uh, Well, it's I two countries, right? Trinidad and yeah, Tobago? Sorry, I didn't know what either one of those countries <laughs> were. And they oh, just, it's just they, one country. They have two names. Okay, I was about to say, they uh, they apparently cannot uh, fill out their own soccer team, so they combined them. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't know anything about well, the country Bundesliga. Like, NBA All-Star three-point contest. How many points does Rippy finish with? Will says it's in the Raider Dome. As that's your hot day. We'll say it's in the three-point contest. So if I can do an NBA three-point range contest, well, you get one point. How many balls per rack? Is it like five or four in a money ball? I think so. I think it's five per rack. Uh, I'll go five. I think I can get one at each station. I think I could pick off one. And if I miss one, I think I could get a money ball or two. So I'm going to go five points. I'm not going to highball it here. So. I haven't shot a basketball since college, so I would be lucky to make one of those shots. Okay. So <laughs> I, th I think I could do – I haven't played basketball very much, but I think I could do – I don't think it's unrealistic to go, like, one per rack. I think I could still make that happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but nah, we probably shall see. Probably so.
Let's see. Any chance Ole Miss lands JT Daniels, what would his impact be? I mean, hell, I don't know. I guess that I, I really have not heard a ton of smoke on it, but I, I guess it's not completely impossible. And what would his impact be? I don't know. Like He's a five-star kid, hasn't really played a whole lot. They've got a couple of quarterbacks on the roster that you, know, you don't really know what they are yet as prospects. Uh, I think as far as gauging his impact, it would be next to impossible. But definitely, I mean, having that kind of talent on your roster, I suppose, cannot hurt. Um, yeah, I, I think they'd be crazy not to try, uh, to reach out to him and, and just see what, what he's thinking and, and if he'd be willing to, to give Ole Miss a, a look and then you pursue it from there. Presumably he would be more talented than all the quarterbacks you have on your roster right now. Uh, just considering where he came from and, and where he was and I don't know, man, I, it's it's a complicated thing because at first when I saw that and Lane Kiffin was retweeting some JT Daniels stuff, I thought, man, it's a no-brainer. They absolutely should go after him. Former five-star quarterback, got kind of a raw deal at Southern Cal, had to start as a true freshman when he was supposed to be in high school, right? He was like 17 years old starting in in college football. But then again, is is he that much better than what you have right now? And I guess uh, that question's up to Lane Kiffin, but at first I thought it was a no-brainer. Now, I, I mean, he's losing his job at Southern Cal for a reason, right? And so are you really going to take another quarterback that you're not sold is going to come in and start right away? And then what happens to your quarterback? Or it, it, There's a lot of factors at play here beyond just go get him because he was a five-star. Because up until now, yes, he, again, he was a true freshman, didn't exactly play any better than the guys you have on your roster right now, and then got hurt and lost his job. Yeah, and there's also a school of thought here that he was on a really good high school team and peaked pretty early. Uh, and from people out there that cover them, that cover the program closely, they also so he well, he did graduate a year early, but he had been held back for athletic reasons. So like he was young, but not like that young. So, so he wasn't I, 17, I, but he was just a young freshman. Yeah, and so I I don't know. I mean, like as far like I think it's impossible. I mean, you haven't seen enough of him as a prospect. Like I think it's impossible to kind of gauge him and what like he would bring to Ole Miss. But again, it's not a five star kid on the roster. But uh, the last five star kid got beat out by a kid that went to a, a community college and had zero Division one offers or Power five offers. He accepted uh, the Ole Miss offer knowing he was going to be the backup. Yeah. So the last five star kid that Ole Miss had uh, got beat out. So and people. I, I, it, it's not everybody looks at what Matt Corral did last year and they they already dismiss him like oh he sucks he's not good whatever. The dude's got some serious raw talent. It just it has not been utilized correctly. He he, he was dealt a really bad hand and Matt Corral was at Ole Miss. I mean just the changing of offenses and dramatically different systems and and then he starts for four games and plays okay but he gets hurt one time and then the backup who they really just put him put him in there to run one time, um, almost kind of brings them back to beat Cal, and then they do this dance with the quarterback position where there's no consistency whatsoever. The kid was dealt a really bad hand. But if you think what you saw last year means that he's not good or won't be good, I think you're crazy. He's got some serious raw talent, and he flashed it a lot last year. Pretty good athlete as well. Like He's not the runner that Plumlee is, but he can run some. He's got some good raw arm talent. He just was dealt a really bad hand at Ole Miss. So I don't know if you really know for sure what you have in Matt Corral 
And I don't think that there's like some desperate need to go get yourself another quarterback. You know what I mean? I feel like if you do, then maybe Kiffin saw something that that I didn't, and that's certainly possible. I imagine How he knows a little bit more about football yet, than though. Right. How can you have seen like it doesn't like you they haven't had spring practice, they haven't had anything. I just don't understand how you can see that. Like that doesn't make in the film's not gonna show Lane Kiffin much. And I think he has admitted that a few times is I mean, yeah, I can watch film all day, but this is a different offense, different coaches, and um so there's not much I can see on film. I've got to see them in person. So I I feel like they they don't have a desperate need to go get another quarterback right now because uh, on top of us not really knowing what they have, I think they have a talented quarterback room, one that just hasn't been able to show it. Yeah, I agree. I don't like, I don't understand. Like I would, I would think if I were the, I mean, obviously you're always looking to add, you're always looking to add talent. Like if you don't, then you're just kind of sunk in this industry, but like they, I would like to see what I had in the cupboard if I were Kiffin before anything. Like if you have a spot for him and feel like you can bring him in and bring him on, then fine. But, I mean, you got three quarterbacks in there that you really just don't know what you have and yet all bring kind of exceptionally different skill sets. So, I don't know. I don't necessarily see it, but I guess uh, I, I could be shocked as I've, I have been uh, wrong a time or two before. What are the posit- What is positive for coaches during this coronavirus crisis? I have to imagine it takes a strain off of news stories and rumors of problems at practices, injuries, and quarterback battles. I mean, I guess, but they also like. I think they would prefer to uh, to be doing activities that would have uh, all those become possibilities. I mean, outside of being like spending time with your family, because like these coaches are just like slaves to their jobs. Outside of that, I don't really, I don't really know what the positive is. I think they're all pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think there's much that they, they. I mean, I would bet they would, they would trade a bad story from something at practice to for the ability to practice in a heartbeat. So I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, I, and I don't buy the the line of thinking that uh, they all hate spring practice and wish they'd never had it. And, and some coaches, sure, like if you haven't established everything, then you don't need the spring. But uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss desperately needed the spring. They, they needed it. Uh, he needed to see what he had on his roster, if he had to process some kids, uh, how he needed to look at the transfer portal, what he had in his quarterback room, all that stuff. They needed spring to happen. And they're obviously going to have to navigate uh, this season without having a spring practice, and maybe they'll get an elongated uh, summer and training camp to, to try to get things right. But uh, I promise you they wanted to have spring practice. Absolutely. And it's going to set them back at least a little bit by not having it. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there's some years where it's probably a little bit more of a futile exercise, but, I mean, you're still developing younger pieces of your roster, even if you are a program that's had a lot of stability and continuity. But, yeah, I mean, for first-year head coaches, it's 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 certainly imperative. So, let's see. Got a couple more questions, then we'll get to this exercise. Let's see. Um... I'm a fan of a good uniform. If you're able to get Keith Carter, Lane Kiffin, you could ask them about someone Rebel Nut 18 uniform concepts. I'm a little lost at what this is. He's asking about new uniforms. Uh, a, a guy, a guy did uniform concepts. Um, here, let me find that question just to just to make sure I read it correctly. Um, 
Where is it? I can't find it. Uh, I've seen these. Uh, so the, basically, this guy did like Air Jordan brand uniform concepts. Yeah, and some of them uh, had had the powder blue mixed in. Um, I, I think they need to to do an, a powder blue uniform. I know that'll piss off the old people, but guess what? It doesn't matter. Uh, I think they would be awesome. I, I know Josiah Coatney tweeted a, a picture, a Photoshop of him in what would have been a powder blue jersey. I thought it would would have been a great look. Um, if you're a college football program, I think you're crazy unless you are one of the few. Penn State being an example, um, Alabama, Ohio State, that have these brands that are tied to their uniform. And I know Ole Miss people think that they have that too, but the reality is they don't. They have really good-looking uniforms, Ole Miss does. Really good-looking uniforms. This script Ole Miss, uh, Ole Over Miss, is a really good logo. It's a nice helmet. It's a really good-looking uniform. But it is not college football icon uniform. It's not immediately recognizable, and it's not something that you can't have fun with and change. So if you're a program like Ole Miss, Oregon is the the extreme of this, but get yourself alternate uniforms. Do six of them. Ohio State does it. Every single year, they have a crazy alternate uniform. Do that. Do that more often. Play with that script M a little bit. Play with the powder blue some. Play with the different helmet colors. Give them a navy blue and a powder blue and a white and a red. Do all of this kind of stuff. Don't mess with what you already have because your red top with a blue helmet and gray pants is a fantastic look. The powder blue helmet's even better. Keep the uniforms that you have and wear them most often. But I think a school and a program like Ole Miss that doesn't have a nationally branded uniform like a Penn State or an Alabama does, you should add a bunch of stuff to your repertoire because why the hell not? Recruits like it. It generates interest. It's just better for you to do that instead of pretending that you're Penn State because you're not, and that's okay. Oregon decided a long time ago, we don't have an iconic jersey, so we're going to give you all kinds of crazy shit. And yes, they take it way too far sometimes, but Oregon now, every year, Oregon football makes headlines because of the new uniform concept they just released. Ole Miss can do the same thing. Yeah, I'm not a huge, like, I don't have huge convictions on the uniform thing. A coach told me one time that the reason they whip, like, test all these new things out is because these kids love putting on new stuff. So I'm going to say do anything that's going to pique uh, potential kids' interest to come play with your program and talented ones at that. So, like, the people that didn't like the changing of the white thing or the white pants, a uh, white thing, white helmet and the white pants. Um, and all the that. kids like, loved that. They which loved is literally it. all that matters. Uh, I did learn that the uh, that until this past year, or it may have been the case this year too, there were no. Did you know there wasn't a white and a powder blue? They were the same helmet that just kept getting painted. Like it was kind of one or the other type of thing. Uh, I think that may have changed this year, but anyway, I don't know. I don't have huge convictions on it. I'm looking at this kid's. Uh, uniform concept thing. I would say Ole Miss probably needs to decide what exactly powder blue is. I don't think there's a more imperfect encapsulation of the school's identity crisis than having 19 different shades of powder blue. I mean, if you ever go into a sporting goods store that sells Ole Miss stuff, the powder blue shirts, like the different brands, have like 15 different shades of it. I would say pick a color and stick with it because it generates 
I mean, it goes from anywhere to almost like a royal blue looking thing to basically North Carolina. I just I I, I, I don't understand it. I think it's kind of humorous. I also think it's hilarious to wear a uh, powder blue helmet with a navy stripe down the side. But whatever, if it makes the kids happy, like and like interested, then sure. I don't know. I don't have <laughs> I don't have hugely strong opinions on this. Uh, last one we had on Twitter. What are you guys thinking about having a semi-annual joint live stream podcast to discuss hot topics and bring on guests? You could call it Behind Enemy Lines, Friendly Fire, or something to that effect for fun. He tagged us, Ben, Colin, Brister, uh, Chase, and Neil. <laughs> that might be too many cooks in the kitchen. It's like, What is that, seven mics? Six mics? Yeah, um, and he initially just asked the, the four of them. Um, that'll never happen. I mean, they're... I don't know them all that well personally, but I imagine they get along pretty well. You would know better than me. Uh, but they're in direct competition with each other. So uh, th- that's why we don't have on our radio show, we don't have local beat writers on all that often because most of them, in an indirect way, are competitors uh, of ours. So every time I'm, I'm looking at content for the radio show every day, I rarely will ever include uh, somebody like, Neil McCready in our show. And that's not because of anything he's done. Uh, He's in our interaction. He's been very nice to me, but we do in a way, mostly indirect, but in a way compete with each other. So the likelihood of them doing a podcast together is um, like cross promoting your competition in a way. So I, I just, I doubt they would ever do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. I uh, like, I think our niche is a little bit different than like, the- it is different than the subscription sites and I always like, I mean, they've always been nice. Like when they're nice enough to have me on there is always enjoy it. Have a good time. Uh, as far as this podcast, we don't do a ton of guests anyway. I just don't like, I like if I'm going to do a guest, it's probably going to be either someone like related to another, a team old Mrs. playing or something like that, or just like a former athlete or something I find interesting or just some human I find interesting or whatever. Just like bringing on another old Miss beat writer doesn't always, uh, like add the most, I guess, stimulating conversation. And also, like, it's just kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> Fine, guess. But uh, it's a long-winded way of saying, I don't know. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of fun one day to do that. But uh, I, I don't necessarily envision that happening. But I don't know. I like everyone at the Spirit and the uh, Oxford Exxon podcast and always enjoy my time on any of their platforms when they ask. So I don't know. Kind of an out-there idea. A six-man podcast. <laughs> but, uh, that would be a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people in the kitchen at one time. But anyway, we got a couple questions left. Let's let me rip through them real quick. Here we'll got we got one left actually, and then the other one is what spawned the uniform idea. I, excuse me, the schedule idea. So we'll just feed into that. What amount of money would it take you to com- contemplate boxing against Mike Tyson? I mean, I'll, I'll I'll alter the question for you. What amount of money would it take to take a punch from Mike Tyson? Because after one punch, I'm not like the fight's not going to continue. I don't know, fifty thousand dollars plus whatever medical bills. I'd probably do it for fifty k. And taking a punch from Tyson. Well, he's the question is, what would it make you like? How much money would it take for you to even entertain the idea of fighting Tyson? But it's not a fight. Like if I took one punch from Mike Tyson, I'm down. Like I'm not I'm not like recoiling and getting up. So I I changed the question. I saw a video of Tyson punching recently. Um, it wouldn't be a one punch and down. He would kill us. Well, I mean, I hope that wouldn't be the case because then I wouldn't get my money, but uh, uh, I guess your point's well taken. It, he, he, he would kill us, I think. I, I don't know if 
if I took one punch from Mike Tyson, my physical life would be altered forever. In one, in some way or another, I would not be the same after the punch. My my body would not recover based on the video that I saw the other day. So, um, give me like a five million dollar life insurance policy for my wife and kid, and then yeah, I'll step in there. Okay, fair enough. I uh, yeah, I just that just sounds awful. So <laughs> anyway. Oh, I, like I've heard people debate that on podcasts before. They're like, oh, just run around the ring and he won't be able to hit me solid. It's like, do you really think that you'd be able to escape Tyson in a ring? Yeah, you don't think I, people have tried that before? Like, you can't escape him. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're taking one punch and you're done. That's basically what this, uh, I mean, that's basically what this exercise is. I mean, yeah, just- it's not Butterbean in there. Like, it's a professional fighter. That is a great scene from the movie Jackass or whatever when they go into yeah. that department store and he and Butterbean fight and Butterbean like knocks him out cold and I think concusses him and he wakes up and he's like, how's Butterbean doing? He's like, oh, he's fine. He, <laughs> he landed punch. Uh, let's see. All right, last thing we got to get to today is the schedule thing. So what we're the idea of this is to rip through all 32 NFL schedules. We're not going to go game by game, but I'm going to uh, – I guess I'll call out the, the – uh, all the – the eight home games for each club. And just from a fan's perspective, which game would you be the most pumped to attend or which game would you want to most attend if you were a fan of said team? So here we go. If I can ever get this internet to load, come on. Where do you want to start? Uh, That's loading. Let's see. You, You want to do it by division or in alphabetical order? Uh, well, it's basically going to be whatever the toggle tab, uh, at the NFL, uh, that the NFL, like the team schedule or whatever it allows. I'm trying to pull it up, but it won't look. Come on, man. Yeah, we'll go by division. That's fine. That's the way they have it. Let's, uh, let's just start top left AFC East Buffalo bills. So their eight home games are the jets Rams. Chiefs, Pats, Seahawks, Chargers, Steelers, Dolphins. So the four divisional games, obviously, or the three other divisional teams, and then you're getting the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Steelers, and what's the other one I'm missing? There should be five, right? Miami. No, 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 divisional. I'm a dumbass. Um, yeah, so you're getting three divisional home games, and then you've got the Rams, the Seahawks. Oh, the Chiefs was the other one I'm missing. The Rams, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Steelers. So which game, if you're a uh, Buffalo Bills fan, out of those eight home games, would you prefer to attend? And the I guess the order I said those in, in order of which they play them, so you can kind of guess somewhat on where they are on the calendar. I am gonna go. I'm gonna. I mean, this is an easy one, but I'm gonna go October fifteenth against the Chiefs because this is a Thursday night football game. The Bills schedule up their first five games leading up to this are the Jets, Dolphins, Rams, Raiders, and Titans. So there's a legitimate shot that could be four and one here, despite three of those being on the road. You're having road games at the Raiders and at the Titans. You're potentially five and one, like kind of the next step in Josh Allen's development. They're a playoff team last year, and you get Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home on a Tuesday night 
before it's just ass ripping cold in Buffalo, October 15th, that is probably what I am. Uh, that's probably what I'm taking. I think I'm going Chiefs October 15th. Uh, from a because that's the right answer if you're a Bills fan, but from like a casual fan uh, perspective, I would say Pittsburgh on December 13th because I've always wanted to just one time go to a, a real snow game. I've never been to one where you have to clear off your seat and, and like snow's falling and it's accumulating on your hat and shoulders and stuff. Just one time. I don't want to live in that life, but I want to go to one of those games and. 7 o'clock at night on December 13th in Buffalo, New York against the Steelers as well. Uh, that's the kind of game I want to go to one time, like a bucket list kind of deal. That's a good one. A former roommate, or a, I guess a roommate, I guess we never actually lived together, lived near each other. But a buddy of mine did that a couple years ago. Uh, about four or five of them went and flew up to Buffalo for a Bills-Dolphins game in early December, and it was a snow game, and like the pictures and stuff looked awesome. So I, uh, I, I, yeah, that's a, actually a good pick. I didn't think about like the novelty side of the snow. I just hate being that cold, so I'm going to go with October. But a snow game in Buffalo would be pretty cool. Another sleeper here, also, even though Tom Brady's not there anymore, just having November first home game against the Pats after that franchise has just terrorized the Bills and everyone else in the division through the year. I imagine it would be pretty raucous if they presumably beat the Pats at home, which I think they will do. Uh, just finally beating Belichick, I feel like their fans would go nuts. So that's another sleeper um, for this Bills schedule. The next one we got is the Dolphins. Uh, really, to me, this is you could pretty much pick anyone because it's just kind of the price of admission for seeing Tua play and how that's going to be. But your home games are Bills, Seahawks, Chargers, Rams, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs, and Pats, obviously. So you get the uh, the the AFC East is uh, clearly paired with the what NFC West here, like in their in their uh, cross divisional games or cross conference games. So you're getting similar ones by division. But so one more time, the Dolphins home games are Bills, Seahawks, Chargers, Rams, Bengals, Chiefs, and then the Pats. So you get the three divisional games, obviously. So they're getting both L.A. teams at home in back-to-back weeks at the end of October, November. I don't know if that's particularly compelling, but Tua Herbert on October 25th against the Chargers at home might be pretty cool. Yeah, that home schedule sucks. Uh, <laughs> just Yeah, it um, does. It really does. I mean, for a last – that's not a great home schedule. You don't – like. I mean, you get Mahomes, but – I mean, Tua Burrow, December 6th, I guess that's pretty cool. To me, that'd be the other one. To me, outside of the novelty of seeing a Russell Wilson or seeing a Patrick Mahomes, which are the other two on this schedule, like, I just want to see the rookie matchup. Like, do you want to go Tua Herbert or Tua Burrow? For the sake of it, I'll go Tua Burrow. Bengals Dolphins, December 6th, a one o'clock game in Miami in December. That's probably going to get kind of weird. Yeah, that or Seattle for sure. Yeah, I mean, see, I don't probably see seeing, from there. No, but I mean, if we're going through all thirty-two, like you could pick seeing Russell Wilson some other times. Like for me, the novelty aspect here would like I would love to see Mahomes and Russell Wilson play, but I picked Mahomes for the Bills, so I'm wanting to see one of these younger matchups. So I'm going to go Tua versus Burrow because, uh, man, the hot take headlines that would come after if Tua wins or something like that. Anyway. Let's see. Now we got the Pats. This is an interesting one because if you're the Pats, like what are you excited about as a Pats fans this year? Just like like 
can Belichick just prove everyone wrong and win 10 games because he wins 10 games in this league at this point in his sleep? Like, I just, what are you selling as a patch? Are you tanking for Lawrence? I definitely doubt that's the case. But anyway, here are their, uh, here are their home games. Dolphins, Raiders, Broncos, Niners, Ravens, Cardinals, Bills, Jets. So you've got the three divisional games, and then you've got the Raiders, the Broncos, the Niners, the Ravens, and the Cardinals. This schedule kind of sucks, too. Um, I'll, I'll throw out an awkward one for you. I would like to see the return of Jimmy G to New England October 25th for a 325 game at home in Foxborough. If the Patriots get off to a terrible start, which actually, if you look at the first five games of their schedule, it's Dolphins, Seahawks, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. I think the Broncos are a sneaky good playoff team. Dolphins not awful. Raiders don't know what to make of it, but you're probably losing to the Seahawks and Chiefs. Can you imagine like a two and three or a, God forbid, a one and four New England team with Jimmy G, the guy they traded away for two more years of Brady coming into Foxborough? I would just like to be in attendance for that uh, for the sheer awkwardness. Yeah, that's the game on the schedule. I think other than that, um, Baltimore, but they're going to get smoked by Baltimore. I I don't think the Patriots are going to be a good team. I mean, yeah, they'll maybe win one of two over Miami, beat the Jets twice, um, probably beat the Chargers, I guess. But as far as like handing them over, sure wins. There's not that many on the schedule. So they may really suck. And I mean, other than Baltimore, it's got to be Jimmy G. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I just don't. I mean, this schedule's got like six and ten written all over it. Yeah, it really does. And how they navigate around going six and ten is actually uh, actually going to be kind of fascinating. Let's see. We've got next last one in the AFC East is the Jets, and their home games are Niners, Broncos, Cardinals, obviously Bills, Pats, Raiders. Browns. The schedule's God, these schedules are terrible. dog shit. I wouldn't get excited about any of these. Uh, so you've got the three divisional games, obviously, at home because you play them twice. And then your other home games are Niners, Broncos, Cardinals, Bill. Oh, no, that's the divisional game. Raiders and Browns. Um, so they could take know. the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Yeah, that's a good one. November 9th, Monday Night Football, you get a home game against the Patriots. The problem is the the what that's their eight that's their ninth game, so you're right past the halfway point at that point. The first eight games of the Chiefs, I mean of the excuse me, of the Jets schedule sucks because you're expecting to take a leap and contend this year, right? Wide open division. Darnold's third year. Hopefully get they're getting some talent around him. Divisions wide open. Brady and Belichick are split up. But their first eight games at the Bills. Niners at the Colts, Broncos, Cardinals at the Chargers, Bills again, and then at the Chiefs leading into this Monday night game. I mean, they could be a good team, and that could really – like that. that's just a crappy sca- – like, I mean, they could be a pretty good uh, – like, I don't know, three and five or two and six team at that point. I mean, the, there's really no gimmies on that. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll go with the Monday night football game at the beginning of November, but they're going to struggle. I mean, you're going – Mahomes and then the Pats back to back weeks. But uh yeah, I'm probably going with the Pats. That's a good one because finally get the monkey off your back. 
Because I feel like other teams in this division are going to take a lot of pleasure in beating up on the uh, Pats if they can. So I'd probably go with that. So I'm making an amendment to this. Why don't we just do the AFC today and the NFC Monday? Because we're only it's fine with teams. me, man. We need we need content. So yeah, so Stretch we'll do that as long as possible. AFC this week. So we're just uh, we're jumping to the AFC North now. The Baltimore Ravens 2020 schedule. Their home games are Browns. Chiefs, Bengals, Steelers, Titans, Cowboys, Jaguars, Giants. To me, this is not a, even a contest at all. They're playing Monday Night Football Week 3. You get Mahomes going to Baltimore. That's the game. Lamar versus Mahomes in Week 3 in Baltimore is the game. If I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, I want to go to. I don't see another one that sticks out on this schedule. Mm, I don't either. I, I think that's the right answer. Yeah, I, I think that's fairly straightforward. Mahomes, uh, uh, Mahomes got the better of him in the regular season last year too, and then uh, because of the Titans, we were kind of robbed of that matchup in the postseason. So I think Baltimore is an easy one. Let's see, Cincinnati. Yeah, if you can pull it up, mine's freezing. Cincinnati, they uh, opened the season uh, in Atlanta. Oh, that's preseason. Excuse me. Let me scroll down a little bit. They host uh, the Chargers, the Jags, Cleveland, Tennessee, the New York Giants, the Cowboys, the Steelers, and they host Baltimore to close the season. Hmm. All right, run through that one more time. The Chargers at home to open the season. Uh, then Jacksonville in week four, back-to-back home games in week seven and eight with Cleveland and Tennessee. Don't play at home again until week 12 against the Giants. Miami and we are, excuse me, Dallas in week 14, Pittsburgh in week 15, Baltimore in week 17. This is a basic one, but I'm just going to go the home opener. Like, I mean, I don't know how the last time you had this much excitement really as a Bengals fan, or at least recently. I mean, they had some good years with Dalton. Is maybe when you like just absolutely expectation free optimism was probably when you drafted Andy Dalton. So uh, this is a basic one, but I think I'm going to go the home opener. You're playing Justin Herbert, home game against the Chargers, winnable game. Although, presumably, Tyrod Taylor's probably starting week one, but I'm just going to go the opener, getting to see Burrow play. I mean, this has kind of been a done deal since like what feels like mid-December almost at this point whenever Tua got hurt and Burrow kind of took the torch is like I'm probably going to be the number one overall pick like like it's kind of been a done deal so I'm going to go the the uh week one for the Bengals and just their home opener because I like I said just completely expectation free optimism like the last really three four years as a Bengals fan has just been absolutely brutal as is much of their existence but like yeah I'm, I'm that's the one I'm going with yeah, there's a really real chance that they're going to suck, and so the later in the year you wait to like pick the game to go to, the uh, the more likely it's not going to be a very good one. So <laughs> the earlier you can get the Bengals, the better before they start uh, uh, just really falling off. It's a good point, and cheaper tickets. What's the next one we got? Cleveland. They uh, host Cincinnati in Week 2 for their home opener, then Washington, the R-Words. Uh, two weeks later, host Indianapolis. Three weeks later, host Vegas. By week, Houston, Philadelphia, back-to-back home games. Baltimore in week 14, and they close the season hosting Pittsburgh. Houston, for me, middle of the year, you get Baker versus Deshaun Watson. If the Browns are going to contend, that's probably a game at that point in their schedule around the 
midway point. They really need to win. A lot of pressure probably going on Baker Mayfield going into that game. I think I'm taking whatever week that is. Uh, what week number is that? That is week 10 after the bye. Yeah, uh, that's a crucial time in their season. I am uh, I am definitely going with uh, that one because, uh, like, I mean, it's kind of put up or shut up for the Browns and Baker Mayfield, ton to talent on that roster. That feels like a game to where if they lose that week 10, they're kind of probably hitting a bit of a tailspin. Man, it's entirely possible that they are, hell, two and four going to Cincinnati in week seven. Yeah. Exactly. The- I mean, you need it. You need that one bad. Man. If they, if they don't make the playoffs, they're moving on from Mayfield, right? I mean, I think it's only year three, but the GM who's no longer there anymore is the one that traded up to draft him when you had a plethora of other quarterbacks that were uh, much better, by the way, available. So, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's the most fair thing in the world, but, uh, you know, the NFL is not necessarily about fairness. So, I, uh, yeah, I would say so probably. Maybe a little quick, but, I mean, when you have that much organizational dysfunction and constant turnover, the guy that drafted Baker Mayfield is no longer there. So I would say that it would have to be a yes. Yeah. And last one in that division, uh, Pittsburgh. Hosting Den- Oh, you got it? No, 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 no. You got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, hosting Denver and Houston. Philadelphia, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Washington, Indianapolis. And while you're going through this, I got to go grab my son. He's woken up from a nap. But uh, it's just, an interesting it'll, it'll year for three the, seconds. Interesting year for the Pittsburgh Steelers because the last time Ben Roethlisberger was healthy and played a full season, he led the NFL in completion, uh, completions, completion uh, percentage and yards. And so, like, it's kind of like he's at a point in his career where, like, it's almost. Like he's on the back end of his prime. He's older. Like you haven't really seen a full put together Steelers team in a couple of seasons now. So what does Big Ben actually have left in the tank? Um, as far as just kind of what's left in his career. I mean, two Super Bowls. Last one I think was what two thousand and eight. Like what exactly does he have left in the tank? So this is going to be a fascinating year for the Steelers. As far as their home games, I'm not. I'm probably taking one of the late divisional games, like against Baltimore at home. I mean, just a classic AFC North football game late in the year that's potentially going to have divisional expectations. So I'm probably taking the home game against the Ravens just because that's always probably going to be flexed to some sort of primetime game. It's going to matter, and uh, this, to me, is an interesting year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that is probably the game I'm taking. Uh, A new co-host has joined the conversation, by the way. Say, hey, buddy. There you go. Hey, buddy. Yeah, he took a good nap this morning. Anyway. Um, I think that Philly game in October could be nasty, like the environment and just the game itself. Yeah, because that's just two in-state teams, and they don't play uh, like they obviously they don't play each other very much. Um, so that is uh, that is certainly a good one. But just it's an interesting year because Big Ben has been really good when healthy, even in his uh, even as he's gotten into the later years of his career. Like, what are the Steelers this year? Like, because if they struggle again this year and Big Ben has injuries, don't you have to think about moving on and kind of? putting that to bed but the same time he have a ridiculous contract like 34 35 million dollars for the next two years something like that yeah but there's no been i mean other than him getting hurt which he's been hurt his entire career he's only played a full 16 games like four or five times in all of his career i think it's five uh i mean he's earned it like his production hasn't dipped at all he's really kind of amazing in terms of like what the modern nfl quarterback is versus what he's able to do so maybe the key is just to be slightly overweight 
Yeah, just not work out and let, make sure you, everyone knows that you don't work out because he uh, that is something he's big on. So I'm taking the divisional game against the Ravens. I think it's going to matter, going to be hyped. Uh, that would be the game I'd want to go to. It's a good pick. What is it, Houston up next? Yes, we'll go AFC South. Um, none of these. Not one. <laughs> if, I, if I was a Texans fan, I'd boycott the season, I think. Their home games suck. Oh no, they're okay. I just I would be mad at the franchise. They have Baltimore, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay, New England, Indy, Cincinnati, Tennessee. Mine is taking infinitely longer to pull up because for whatever reason on the NFL website, the tab to like toggle for uh, team schedules has now disappeared on my computer. So not really sure what's going on here. So let's see. Run through that one more time. Baltimore, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay, New England, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Tennessee. I am probably going with Green Bay, October 25th. Deshaun Watson versus Aaron Rodgers. They're five games into the season. They've already played Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Minnesota and a kind of a frisky Titans team that I'm not sure is very good. Like, if they're not careful, they could potentially start like one and four. That's a game they would have to win uh, again at home. Aaron Rodgers coming to town. To me, if the wheels fall off because you go at Jacksonville, at Cleveland the next two weeks, if they lose that one, they're in trouble. Plus, you get to see the novelty of Aaron Rodgers play. I'm going October 25th at home against the Packers for my one Texans game this year. Man, tell me I'm crazy. They're starting one and five. With Jacksonville no, not, being that's not crazy one. at all. Like at all. I mean, looking at the front end of their schedule, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Jacksonville at Tennessee to start the year before you get the home game against Green Bay. I mean, if you don't take care of business at home against both Minnesota and Jacksonville, you're kind of staring that in the face. I mean, I guess they could beat Baltimore at home to start the year because, you know, week one in the NFL, weird stuff happens. But I mean, just the way that the general negative energy around that franchise seems like they're going to struggle out of the gate. So I'm taking the Packers game because if that's a Deshaun Watson, despite all the dysfunction, I'm going to put the team on my back and have, may, like put together a performance that makes everyone just kind of be like, how did that happen? That feels like a game to me. Best Rodgers, and he just has a ridiculous Deshaun Watson game. Yeah, that's the right answer. Does Bill O'Brien fire himself? I don't think he'd be crazy to. I'd give myself raises every day. <laughs> um, so what's the next one on this? The Titans? Indianapolis is what I've got up. Uh, I'm basically doing this by Google now because my computer is just absolutely going nuts. Indy's Minnesota, New York, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Green Bay, ooh, Tennessee, and back-to-back weeks at home, Houston and Jacksonville. That's really just kind of a very Indianapolis Colts boring ass home schedule. But I, uh, I'm going to go Sunday, December twentieth, in the game whose time hasn't been determined, which tells me it might be some sort of primetime game against the Houston Texans because Philip Rivers' teams are never terrible. They're constantly in it. That's a week fifteen game against Houston, a divisional game after they just went on the road and played them. They're probably going to be a solid team. That game to me feels like either they're going to have like have their playoff hopes, whether it's a wild card or in a pretty mediocre division. Like to me, their hopes are going to come down to that Sunday, December twentieth against the Houston Texans is probably the game I'd want to go to. That feels like a big classic. Down by four with three minutes left, your playoff hopes on the line, and Rivers throws a pick. 
Uh, so I'd like to see that happen in person for once. I'm going to go Sunday, December 20th, divisional game against the Texans as their playoff hopes are dwindling. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, I think maybe even Tennessee at home w- would would potentially be mine. Um, I think they're a playoff team. It's a playoff roster that's adding a veteran quarterback. So they're playing yeah. meaningful games late. When you talk about what you're selling as a franchise, though, what are you selling if you're the Colts? Because I think they could be a good team this year. I think Rivers has maybe a year or two left in the tank. But no, it's not. No, it's there's not a, not a year or two. Like a, this like morning, pl- he signed a uh, an agreement to be the head coach at an Alabama private high school in 2021. This morning, in a press conference. Rivers? Rivers, yeah. So this is okay. it. Okay, well, okay. I, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying I don't believe that. But if they go twelve and four and he loses the AFC Championship yeah. game and he feels good, you tell me he's not. Yeah, that's a good point. Just like the same guys with those TV gigs or Josh McCown coming out of coaching, or whatever. Although, but point being, like, I mean, it, it's semantics. This is not a marriage. This is like a one, two-year top partnership. Like, it's kind of a we'll muddle around while we can try to actually figure out a long-term quarterback solution. So, kind of a weird. Weird spot to be in as a Colts fan, but that's the game I'm going with. I think they should be somewhat competitive, and I think they'll be in the playoff hunt late. I don't know if they get in, but that feels like a crucial game. For sure. Uh, Jacksonville next? Okay, this should be quick. Uh, Just go ahead and roll through there. Indianapolis, Miami, Detroit, Houston, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Tennessee, Chicago. What's their last home game? Chicago. Okay, I'm going to go with that for no other reason that it'll be probably 75 in Jacksonville in late December, <laughs> and I'll get to hang out in the pool if I get good enough tickets. Outside of that, I don't know what they're doing here. I think Gardner Minshew is a cool story. They're obviously rebuilding. I think they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. This isn't an all-out rebuild. I don't know what you're getting pumped about if you're a Jags fan this year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Minshew does well because, obviously, local kid uh, seems like a good dude, but I just I can't get excited about any of these. So I want to hang out in Jacksonville's pool in late December. Uh, is there any better feeling when it's crappy outside, like wherever you're watching Red Zone, and they show a Jacksonville or a Miami or a Tampa game in December, and it just looks awesome there, and you want to be there? So that's the game I'm going with. I hear you. All right, we'll just move on then. Uh, Titans open with Jacksonville. They have Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Houston three consecutive weeks at home. Chicago, Indy, Cleveland, Detroit. I think that Cleveland game late in the year could potentially be uh, impactful for both teams. So I think I'm going to pick that one. Although, like, there's no real like, like divisional games for Titans games don't do obviously matter, but like they don't do much for me in terms of like, oh, I'd love to go see that. I mean, seeing Big Ben will be cool. You don't really get a great quarterback draw, like a novelty of just seeing a cool quarterback with this Titans schedule. So. I think that game Sunday, December 6th against Cleveland, they will have just come off playing a road game at Indy, and that's the second time they play Indy. That feels like it could have consequences. So there's not really a novelty aspect here of a quarterback I really badly want to go see on this schedule. So I'm just going to pick a game that I think is going to be impactful for the Titans' playoff chances. So Sunday, December 6th against Cleveland, because that could you, you could obviously put, like depending on how the year goes, you could kind of put an end to Baker Mayfield's time in uh in uh in Cleveland at that point in their playoff chances. So that could be kind of a fun game. Yeah, I'm with you. How about Denver? Tennessee to open the season, Tampa Bay, Miami, Kansas City, Chargers, Saints, Bills, Vegas to end the season. Hmm. 
I guess Tampa, I'm going novelty here. I'd like to see Tom Brady in that weird Bucks uniform. I think the I think they have a chance to be a pretty good team. They're obviously in on Drew Locke. They got him a ton of help. I mean, Melvin Ingram. Uh, who do they draft at receiver that I'm just completely blanking on right now? They took Judy, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so they got him some help uh, early in the season. I think they could be a sneaky playoff team, but I'm going to go novelty here and just see Brady because that's not something they're like, that's pretty rare for them to get to see. Obviously, they've saw Brady plenty of times over the years when he played in New, New England, but uh, I'll probably go novelty aspect here. Yeah, Brady or, or uh, the Saints could be a big game for them as well. Um, so and a team good, you don't ever get. Right. Good atmosphere team you don't play should have uh, some serious implications on it. Uh, one of those mid-afternoon games. So one of those two. All right, I think easy answer here. And James is trying to grab the microphone. I love this kid. Uh, Kansas City. I'm, I'm training him young. Um, Houston, New England, Vegas, New York Jets, Panthers, Broncos, Falcons, Chargers. Not a good home schedule. Yeah, I was about to say because I would love to get Bray, I mean, excuse me, Breeze Mahomes, but you get that in New Orleans, right? So I can't pick that one. Uh, do, does Tampa go to does ta- Tampa goes to New England, right? I mean, excuse um, me, Tampa goes to Kansas City. No, Kansas City goes to Tampa. So, the, so for for from a Chiefs perspective, Mahomes, Brady, and Mahomes breeds are both on the road. That kind of sucks. That does suck. They're not losing a home game. There's there's your hot take for the day: Houston, New England, Vegas, Jets, Panthers, Broncos, Falcons, Chargers. They're not losing a home game this year. That's a really rough. That's a terrible home schedule. Uh, I don't know. Can I pick? I'll go any of the eight. Those all seem very much the same to me. I yeah, and they're probably going to win all of them. So, what's your I favorite guess time to go visit Denver? I, I guess because um, they, I think they're going to be the best team here. But that's about it. Some first place schedule there. Although that also has to do with their division outside of them. Now it's just completely in shambles. They stink. So. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I'll go with that one. What's next? We got two teams. Vegas left. in the new stadium, uh, probably going to be the easiest answer uh, when they open the new stadium on Monday Night Football against the Saints. I don't uh, see another option here. Th- there's no, there's not. The schedule stinks outside of it too. I guess Kansas City in November would be the other one, but opening the new stadium on Monday Night Football against a, a really good team is that's no brainer. Yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, Saints Monday Night Football, without a doubt. So the last one we get is the Chargers, because that might be the most fascinating one to end on here. Yeah, the Chargers, who won't play a home game this year, uh, at least as far as fan distribution goes. Kansas City, Carolina, Jets, Jags, Vegas, Patriots, Falcons, Denver. That sucks. And they're they're in the new stadium this year, right? They are. So Kansas City, to open the new stadium, is probably the, the right one. Is that week one or two? That's week two. So I guess the Rams will probably open they the stadium. Are. They're which playing is the Cowboys week one. The Rams play the Cowboys week one to christen that stadium. Man, the Chargers moved to Los Angeles. It's a disaster. You don't even get to christen your own stadium. Like, obviously, you knew they'd play second fiddle with Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, funding that thing. But, like, just – I mean, if you're a Chargers fan that's still out there, I don't know. Like, can I, I actually, my answer – 
is none. Because if I'm a Chargers fan, I want them moving back to San Diego, so I'm not giving them my money. So that's the one I'm going to end on. None. Zero. Yep. (laughs) Just what what a – like if, I don't know, just what a, that would be such a miserable existence because you haven't ever been good enough to really flirt with any winning the Super Bowl. You haven't really been bad enough. You've just kind of been in middle of irrelevancy with an owner that doesn't really care where your team is. I just that talk about a weird existence as a sports fan. So what a way to end it. We ended on a high note today. We picked none of the eight uh, <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers games. To go to, unless you had a different answer, but I'm not going. To I, I mean, I, I guess to see the stadium, uh, you know, that's the one you have sure. to pick. But otherwise, like, oh, sorry, buddy. Um, otherwise, you don't go to one. Okay. Well, there you have it. We will do the NFC because it just took a little longer than I thought, and there's no need to go 95 minutes on a podcast breaking down the schedule. And we have nothing else to do. We'll do the NFC on Monday. Uh, what games would you like? What one game would you like to go to as a fan of all the NFC team home games? So anyway, that's about it for us today. Borky and I will be on radio towards Talk Mississippi three to six p.m. Come check us out there. We appreciate you participating in another Mailbag Friday. I'll remind you one more time if you haven't heard already. LBs is all the rage. University Avenue across from Kroger. No better uh, way to social distance and to chill out. Throw something on the grill. Uh, If you're in the Oxford area, you're going to want to go by LB's and throw one of their delicious cuts of meat on the grill. Lane Train Special, Keith Carter Special, all kinds of grill packs, sausages. Greg's the man. He can hook you up over there. Go check him out. I promise you won't regret it. Uh, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. That is uh, another edition of Mailbag Friday. That's about it for Borky and I. I'll catch you on radio this afternoon, and we'll be back at it on Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.